0: Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad. Yes, hello Graham.
1: Hello Brad. Uh, good week? Yeah, very quick. Quick turnaround. Sound Friday. You know, we obviously get gearing up for this show on Friday. Saturday's uh, the race, so... Yeah. Coming thick and fast. Yeah, it's coming it? thick and fast now. And it's good that the um as I said last week this year's calendar is back to where it should be, you know. So last year obviously we were dealing with um an out of sync racing calendar. Whereas this year it's um you get your bearings a bit better. We know what's coming up next. Yes, although unpredictable as it turned out. I always feel like first monument of the season mm.
0: feels like spring is here. Yeah. Um do you feel like that as a rider This is a definitely, of... yeah.
1: Yeah, it's um it's a great race, so it's a great one to ride. Um it's the easiest one to finish toughest one to win and that with it being the toughest one to win that sort of stems from the fact that um it's not that hard hence why it's so easy to finish other than the distance 300 kilometers it's a very fast affair you know the first couple of hours always run off at sort of 50 55 kilometers an hour um floating in the wheels um you get to the seafront and then um it's just sort of up and down all day but it builds momentum um and then you hit them last two climbs the down again on onto the podger really so it's it's um and even if you get dislodged before then on the depressor or something like that um, because the nature of the race comes in and off it sort of darts in and off off the seafront um, you can just skip the climbs and carry on down the seafront um, you obviously don't end up with 300 kilometres but it means you can get to San Remo because there's nowhere to stop once you pass the second feed presumably that's not the case now though because your, your data as
0: a rider will be recorded yeah I don't think but, you won't get finished in the day, yeah so yeah. you were saying you are saying earlier, but obviously before we started recording, yeah. Sean Yates used to do it. And well, Sean used to, Yates
1: used to he used to finish the race, so he'd go up all the climbs as well. Yeah. Um, but quite often ride to Nice afterwards, just carry, carry on, on round the coast to Nice. Yeah, to where he lived at the time, he um, had a flat there, and um, so three hundred and fifty kilometers a day like for him. Yeah, in the end, yeah. He loved it.
0: Yeah, because it's not it's not a flat finish. Well, not a flat extra section. From no, San Reino, no, back it, that to, whole coastline
1: nice. is is dotted up and down. It's it's quite tough, but. But today's race, it was brilliant, wasn't it? One for, shows you um, never give up. You know, all the main guys were there. We had Ala Philippe. Tom Pidcock. really good to see him up the front today. Wasn't it? Yeah. But so many kind of, a lot of hesitation at the foot of that climb at the end of the Poggio. And uh, Stoven. I mean, much like, I remember, obviously, it's the same team, you know, amalgamation of that team when Cancellara won. Very, very similar attack and similar timing. And it was brilliant, actually. He got his just desserts, really. I think he was, um, you know, to hold off Van Aert. Sagan I think it was the last five years he's been up in the top six for the last five years yeah before that of course he was second to Kwiatkowski yeah top six for the last five That's years quite a record that but never won it no so, so second, second four, four, five years ago yeah so a rider who can win three world titles on the bounce but hasn't pulled off San Remo. Well, again it shows you how difficult how tough it is, is yeah. to win so you, you said earlier
0: as well it's more of a lottery possibly more than any other any other classic yeah. or any other monument I even, think even so. Roubaix
1: yeah. Yeah. Because um, you can always make something happen in Roubaix. Today, we saw the speed up those last two climbs was so high. It was a tax, of course, but it just comes down to 20 odd riders looking at themselves and, and one rider taking the initiative, which was Jasper Stoven. And and then even if he wasn't to win it, we, look who, you know, Caleb Ewan, you know, pops out as a, as a sprinter who could win the race had had um, Stoven been caught. So, even then, it would have defied all the big kind of hitters of Van Arts of this world and everyone like that. You and second for the second time. So yeah. we feel a bit sorry for him because, I, well, I feel like he did everything he could. Yeah, to he win couldn't have done any more. You know, he's short of teammates at the end there to really bring that. You know, even someone like Gilbert, and he's had someone like him mm. just enough. He just needed one set of legs to to close on, on Steven. But, you know, it was. Um, it's uh, still brilliant to watch. Mm. You know, the margins after seven hours racing to come down to about half a bike's length. Just superb. Lots of teams there had two riders as well. Come up short. Uh, Ineos. Ineos I thought Ineos rode bloody brilliant today. Well, it really it, it, did. Luke Rowan, that did a fantastic job up the Chepresa on the descent. Gano, then we saw on the Poggio. But- well they they had four of them at the end there.
0: They were drilling it off the front like mm. we're so used to seeing them do in the Grand Tours, sort yeah. of controlling the race. And yeah. then having controlled it to the point where you, you would maybe expect either
1: Pidcock or Kwiatkowski to launch, yeah. and they didn't launch. Well, I think Kwiatkowski must have got dislodged a little bit on the Poggio because um, there was one shot, and it looks like Kwiatkowski's off the back yeah. on the descent of the Poggio. And um, Pidcock, the minute Pidcock ri- stops riding, um, it looks like they were, he probably got a radio call for, for that Kwiatkowski's coming back. But it was to no avail, really. I mean, Pidcock, I thought Pidcock rode with the sort of nonchalance of a rider who's been in that peloton for 10 years. Mm. Supreme confidence. Brilliant. Congratulations, Tom. What a brilliant debut out in Milan, San Remo, and lots more to come from him.
0: Jasper Stuyven picked his moment at exactly the right time. Uh, thrilling finish, Brad, as we said. Here's how Rob Hatch called it for us on Eurosport and GCN+. And Sturman is trying to get ready for the final sprint. Sits on the wheel of Sir Karl the Dane. Six hours, 37 minutes have been ridden. They're in San Remo. Villaroma is there. But who's going to take the win? Behind they still ride, behind they still go, but they've still got to make it up. Macho Vonopoul is going to start his sprint. Macho Poel is going to sprint now. Just as Sterven comes out as well. Just as Sterven comes out. Sterven's going to the line. Yes, but going to the line. Yes, but wins. Milano San Remo yet again it's Belgian this time it's Jasper Sturman and it's the art of surprise at the bottom of the portrait that does it they left it too late Brad Wout van Aert coming in there third behind Stuyven I mean we we touched on it briefly we expected so much especially after the fireworks of, of the week at Torino Adriatico from the big three Stuyven has showed that Gamble at the right time. It is possible to beat them. I think this is the first one-day race that we've seen Matthew Vanderpol, Wout van Aert, and Julian Alaphilippe race together in which one of them has
1: not won. Yeah, um, it just shows you, doesn't it? I mean, it's all the talk was of those big three this morning. I can't if that's a good thing to cycling or a bad thing, really. That, that there's so much talk about three riders, but um, those three riders also, aside from um, Vanderpol, who we haven't really seen in the big tours at the moment. Um, you know, we, we get a lot of talk in July of them as well, don't we? I mean, mm. a couple of years ago, we were talking about Philippe. Could he win the Tour de France three or four days ago in 2019, was it? They're kind of really dominating cycling, or certainly the headlines or the talk anyway. Um, I think it's a very good thing, the more I think about it, because it shows how much cycling has changed. It shows how much they've advanced the sport, really, in that sort of new age, all-round rider who's, you know, all three of them, are capable of winning the Tour of Flanders as we've seen. They've all been up there aside from Ala Philippe's crash last year with the motorbike. Mm-hmm. All three of them are being the question's being asked, you know, can they win a grand tour? Um Ala Philippe has obviously already proved he certainly can. He's been up there in the top five of the Tour de France. And they're all capable of winning Paris Roubaix, they're all capable of winning a world title. Aside from Ala Philippe, they've all won world titles in Cyclocross. They can all time troll. They've all proved that.
0: I mean, Wout van Aert showed that at Trento Adriatico, taking yeah. that, that final
1: time trial. Yeah, and who'd have thought that, eh? Well, e- even beating Gana. Gana being kind of unbeatable in the time trial. So, yeah, it's it's um, they're, they're definitely... And I actually thought last year, when we got into the sort of season last year, you know, I hate to say it, but van Aert, it almost felt like, was this sort of a flash in the pan because of the season, the restructured season? But he's definitely lived up to that now. And, um, you know, when you see what he's come from, the Tour de France he had last year, the job he did there... The class he's shown on and off the bike. There's a lot more to come the next couple of weeks, really. The Tour of Flanders is going to be fantastic. We saw what we're we going to see a repeat of the Tour of Flanders last year. You know, I hope know, so. aside yeah. from the crash, of yeah, aside of from A. Philippe, Philippe going down. Um, I'd like to see Luke Rowe and people like that present. Luke showed some good legs today. Mm. It'd be nice to see him, um, you know, getting a, getting a, giving a go because that race has eluded him. And I always thought for many years that Luke was capable of winning something like that, and and still is, you know, on his day. They always give him one chance, or they seem to. Ineos. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll see this year. They wanted to be a bit more of a racing team this year. Mm. Um, they've certainly done that today. They did a fantastic job. They were, the, they were the team of the day, really. I thought they took it up really well on both climbs. Um, as I say, just kind of, sort of a bit something happened at the end there we can't really put a finger on um, as to what the game plan was. But yeah. certainly Pidcock um, looked like he could have gone another 200k. What
0: about the rest of that group coming to that that final few hundred metres? Was, was it because there was hesitation? Was it because the, the three big hitters, as it were, were all looking at each other, Alaphilippe, Van Aert and, and I think Van der there's too many
1: big, no, yeah. I think that's exactly it. The talk of um, everyone looking at you know, Van der Pol, Van Aert, uh, Alaphilippe, you know, they were the three sort of... And after that, you had the likes of uh, Greg Van Avermaet, you know, the two Ineos boys, Sagan, you know, the eyes of the world have been off Sagan, really, haven't they? A few, three or four years ago, it was all about Sagan. Everyone's watching Sagan in the finals now. We almost forget about him a little bit now, but that's a good sign for him. I'd like to, you know, 10, 15 metres more, he'd have been looking to win that thing Yeah. when you look from the overhead sprint. but um,
0: So he's recovering from coronavirus, we, we, we think. And uh, so they this, this is the first, you know, the first time Prove after. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'd sure like, he's got I'd a like test that says so. I'm sure he has. Do we think De Kernick will be... I mean aside from Caleb Ewing who as we said did all he could do we think the Koenig will be more disappointed than anyone?
1: Yeah I mean um, Sam Bennett I, I mean he had some trouble didn't he before the Podgio? He looked like he punctured or something?
0: I think he punctured with 40k's yeah. to go and then he he, he sort of used the used the cars to get back on yeah. um, but they had another option as well with the, the Davide
1: Ballerini. Yeah there was there was just wasn't present in the final there was they? Um, they've been a bit lacking haven't they I think you know aside from um, Stam's stage wins in Paranese and few other things they've I think they've been a bit lacking in the classics department not as um, dominant as not, as, not as we've used no no so it'd be interesting to see how we get on when we get up to Belgium that's kind of their forte and their their terrain so um yeah that, that'll that be be interesting to see how we go on when we get up there
0: obviously we've touched on him as well but Caleb Ewan on the Poggio he was almost climbing better yeah. than than anyone else and there was a point even when he had a dig off the front and he almost sort of seemed to rein himself back in
1: yeah I mean he's kind of again, he's like the new age sprinter he could be able to climb in that but he's in remarkable form, really. I mean, um, it's, it's difficult to think what he could now win the next couple of weeks, really. Um, I'm not sure if he's running Gem wevel again, But that was an opportunity today to win a big monument for him. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but the next time we'll see him will probably be the Tour de France, won't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's not too many opportunities for the pure sprinter, really, um, in this day and age. And as, as much as we've said that this is um, one of the easiest ones to finish, um, one of the hardest to win... Um, it's actually one of the few that we get to see the likes of you know, Cable Ewan getting up there and, and having a go.
0: And, and like you say, so good to see Sagan back. You mentioned when we were watching the race, it was strange, or it still seems strange, not to see him in his World Champs jersey. As much as we well, enjoy yeah, seeing there, them, there's a lots
1: of riders who become synonymous with those jerseys. If you think Anna Philippe next year when he comes out that World Champs jersey, you, you get used to seeing these guys riding and, and they, they become sort of a very individual characters because of those jerseys and stand out. And it, it is very difficult sort of seeing him just blend in with the rest of his team, um, aside from the World Champ stripes on his sleeves. But, um, yeah, I do think that there's a uniqueness to kind of distinguishing riders It becomes synonymous with the jersey or uh, it adds a little bit of character or individuality, I think, to the riders was that important for you as a rider? Well, have, I think, like the I think it, there, is a, there is a need or certainly some riders to express their individuality through through what they're wearing and not this sort of urge to not become a number. Lots of riders do it in different ways. Alaphilippe does it in in his riding style and the way he rides, but he certainly stands out in that World Champs jersey and almost gets another sort of set of strength from somewhere in in, in riding like that. You notice it was again when he's not in, even in the National Slovakian National Champs jersey that... Um, you just sort of ten, tend to blend in a little bit more and um, for us as as um, people watching it, you, you can kind of they can go and kinda of go a little bit unnoticed. Um, you notice Greg Van Avemart, he's still very kind of got his gold helmet, gold sleeves and that in that AG2 hockey. It doesn't quite look right, but it's still his sort of way of um, celebrating the Olympic gold of yeah, four the, years ago. Yeah, the eternal Olympic champion currently. Yeah. Van der Poel as well
0: in the white shorts. White shorts, yes or no yeah. for you. Well if you're Van der Poel, do what the hell you like. You know,
1: um, and again, you know, if Van der Poel was wearing this sort of Alpecin kit, it would sort of blend in, wouldn't he? Yeah. Dutch road race champion, white shorts. It kind of, he's very distinguishable as as um, Matthew Van der Poel. You went white shorts, didn't you? Did no, only for the time back? trial. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh, we always being in used to have a decision, uh, discussion years ago about when he won the world title. Um, Black shorts is very traditional. Black shorts, white jersey, black helmet, black bike. It allows the white jersey to stand out more. Um, because it's the rainbow jersey is the standalone piece; it's not the white shorts and everything that goes with it. Um, riders pull it off. Mario Cipollini pulled it off very well. I rode Milan-San Remo with him in two thousand and three as world champion, and I can remember him stopping. I was telling my son the other day. I remember him stopping about eighty k to go side of the road. The whole team stopped with him. He stripped down, took his shorts off, everything, put new fresh kit on, white shorts, white jersey, and rolled up the peloton. Helmet back on because he didn't wear a helmet for the first. Three quarters of the race. Yeah. But he changed his shorts at the side of the road. Yeah. Just to be immaculate. Um, Only Mario could get away with that.
0: Yeah. Did the rest of the peloton
1: sort of allow him to. Oh, yeah. Mario was doing whatever he wanted to do. He was the boss. Yeah. 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 But I mean, they, you know, we were in full race mode. He just stopped, but he had eight riders with him and they brought him back up. No one waited for him. Yeah. But, you know, there's times of the race you can do that sort of stuff. And it might have been sort of drizzly at the start or something. So there's a bit of black specks on his shorts and that. But he wanted fresh kit for the final.
0: So you'd, you'd have to put a serious amount of, of forethought into that as well, to have someone waiting for you yeah. on the side of the Vanity road. Vanity helps. Kit,
1: but, well, yeah, <laughs> sure. just. But. but Mario was doing anything you like. I love that. Were you aware of that happening in the peloton? I remember watching it on the side of the road, but but Mario had a reputation for it. He, um, he, You know, the car would pull up earlier, for head of the peloton on the side, and they'd have the kit ready for him to go. But no other rider could do that. No. Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, but imagine... you, you were in the peloton at the time, you were on the side of the road.
1: No, I was in the peloton. We yeah. whisked past, yeah. And we, he obviously he near the front of the peloton, he'd stopped. His team car was already there waiting with the fresh clothes. What was the, what was the chat in the peloton when you know that's happening? Um, I think it, it, was it was just like, so oh, just there's Mario's changing again. It's just normal behavior for yeah, him, yeah. For him, it was normal, you know. He obviously didn't have his numbers on his jersey at the start, yeah. So the jersey he puts on had his numbers on, um, so it was all pre planned, you know, helmet. Um, there was a great picture on his Instagram this week, Mario, put up of him riding at the start in that race. He's got headband, long sleeve, sort of three-quarter shorts on. Um, and so that was all planned. 80K to go, I'll put my race kit on. We start racing 80K to go. <laughs>
0: Did you feel intimidated when you when you're uh, racing alongside people like chip?
1: Yeah, I did because I had grown up as a fan of the sport and and, and loved watching them. Um, there was a great funny story towards the end of that race. We had Baden Cookie in our team. Um, Bernie Eisel, of course, who works for Eurosport now. Cookie was trying to get up in the sprint. So I think uh, Bettini had gone away with a couple of others. Um, so Bettini won the race, and we were sprinting for fourth behind. Um, Zabo was lining up, um, Cipollini, Baden-Cook, who was coming onto the scene then, and obviously won green jersey the year before in the Tour de France, or that year, actually won that year in the Tour de France in 2003. Um, I think he just sort of nudged Cipollini a little bit with his head. Um, and Cipollini looked around and seen an FDJ helmet, not realising, because it was two. So after the finish line, I think Eisel was top 10, cookie was 12 or something. Um, Cipollini was pissed because he'd not won the race and he was kind of very aggressive anyway just seen this Francis Jure rider come up and it was Bernard Eisel. He thought that was the one who nudged him before but it was just Bane Cook. And he swung his arm, punched Bernie in the face. <laughs> Bernie's helmet was all ski and kinda of go, Hey, what you doing? Why punch me man? And um but Chip Lee was just there was no reason to. Bain Cook hadn't done anything wrong other than kinda of nudge him like, you know, in sprint. But he thought it was Bernie Eisel. He took out on Bernie, poor Bernie. Um and Bernie's glasses were all over the place, <laughs> but it was just that was what Mario was like. And then obviously, because he wasn't winning, and he was world champion. Um, when we got to Gem wevelgem that year, that was the famous one where he threw the bottle at the cameraman um, because he'd been dropped on the on the mole on the um, was in the, the Kem- Kemmelberg. that that one, yeah. Um, so yeah, he was a, he was in a, a funny mood. I rode the Giro with him that year as world champion. And he didn't win many. He won, I think, he won one stage there. But he was sort of angry. As world champion, he sort of had a torrid time compared to the year before. And he was, he was very sort of, you know, kind of had a lot, quite a temper on him that year. But um, yeah, it was. Um, as I say, it was great to race those ones. You know, see the likes of Cipollini, Pantani. I raced with Pantani in the duo. He rode the San Remo that year.
0: That must have lived with Bernie for a while,
1: though, like on the bus afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we didn't have a bus. After <laughs> each we just had a camping car. But he was. Um, yeah, I just it was Tussle with Cipollini. I remember that was uh yeah, that's what I remember most about it.
0: Any other memorable San Remo moments for you?
1: Um oh, well there's another one. I remember riding two thousand nine Milan San Remo and Lance Armstrong is one of his first races back in Europe. For Astana. Astana. And I'm near the back of the Peloton and um I I'd, I'd never raced with Lance before that, actually, in his US postal years, although I was a professional. Um and he rode. For, I was at the back of the peloton. He rode up from behind, stopped for a wheel or something, and tacked me on the back and said, hey we go." That was it. He called my name. I just, like, just want to say hello. I like, f- does he know who I am. I never No, you do. No, no, it just shows how aware he was of the whole peloton and which riders were joining which teams and stuff. And he, you know, very astute. Um, and and that made me feel a million dollars. You know, I don't mind a million at the time. Little did I know what was going to happen after that, but hey, but um, no, I mean at the time this was Lance Armstrong, you know, and um, you were it was aware of his presence, you know, within the peloton, and um, for him to know my name, I would never raced with him. I thought, you know, that was, yeah. Later that year, obviously, we went toe to toe in the Tour de France, but yeah, I remember um, distinctly. Remember that. Um, I can't remember the last time I rode. Probably 2011 um, was the last one I rode. Yeah, 2009 was the year Cav won it. Didn't they? That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Cav won that year.
0: Yeah, but just and an even yeah, an even closer finish than yeah. what we saw today. Heinrich
1: Hausler, it was the fastest he ever sprinted. I think of that year. So um, it was well, he had a, he had a
0: hell of a gap to close as yeah. well. To think that's twelve ha- years ago. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Brad, the Volta Catalunya starts on Monday, runs until next weekend. You can watch it on Eurosport and GCN Plus. Ineos going in with quite the team. Yeah some serious strength in here. Richard Carapaz making his season debut. Uh, G, um, yeah. taking part in, in, in another stage race for him. Um, Richie Port supporting Rohan
1: Dennis, uh, Jonathan Casioviejo, really Luke good. Rowe again, and Adam Yates. Brilliant team. Fantastic team. Um, I think they'll do something. I think they're knocking on the door. They've got every other component right in the, um, they seem to at the moment, they rode well today, as they say in San Remo. Um, they've got a bit of race miles in their legs now. Obviously they'd been at altitude before the Paris and stuff like that. Um, Calipas, I've been watching him on Instagram and that training it looks like he's been doing some good stuff. Um, I just think that as a unit now, they, they, they're sort of in a poised now to do something. It's just got, there's a feel that they're going to do something big at the moment. Um, and I think this could be this week, really, maybe not with G I'm not too sure where he's at. Um, I'd like to see G do well. I think mm. that race was suiting me. It certainly looked good in torreno um, but I, I get the feeling that they're poised to do something now. And that, that team as well, you get the sense with it, that with Yates, Dennis, that this is their main business, this one. This isn't just kind of spreading the, you know, the kind of eggs across different races. So I think this time next week, we'll, we'll, yeah, we're looking at a, a performance, I think. Of the, of the three of them, who do you expect to lead there? So Yates we saw so
0: strong at UAE. Only Pogacar um, could beat yeah. him. G strong in, in patches but but not overwhelming at toronto Adretica. Um and, and Carapaz we don't necessarily like yeah. you say know what to expect I think
1: Yates will probably be the leader based on his form up to this point um, and he's ridden well in this race before not, I don't think G will be too concerned about needing to be the leader and needing to put a statement out there You know, he's, there's plenty of time for that in terms of what he's gunning for this year and when G will be ready G will be ready there's no doubt about it um, the more you know, races suit him yeah I think the way the cycling's changed now, he probably needs to be... G's a racer through and through um, and needs probably... like You know, he likes getting stuck in for his mind more than anything. And racing with the, you know, sort of handcuffs off, really. Um, he's not insecure enough that he needs to sort of start putting a marker down to prove he's the one. I think he's got the faith within that team. He's done enough over the years to prove that he's capable of doing it. Um, I just think for him, you know, almost even if he's not winning, leading the race this week, it'd be nice for him to just put, do a performance for someone like Yates, where he tears the race up, up a climb, and he's kind of one of the last few riders left, and you know gets all the sort of praise, like we did with what we saw with Rowan Dennis last year in the Jura. A performance like that from G will go a long way.
0: Jumbo Visma, um, obviously we, we talk about Ineos, we, we've got to talk about the, the, the other big hitters, as it were. They've got Sepp Kuss coming back this week, yeah. um, and, and again, another rider that, like Carapaz, we've seen nothing of this season so far. Yeah. In, in terms of, of, of really getting down to business, as it were, are we expecting to see
1: Jumbo Visma and Ineos start to face off now? I don't know. They've, they've spread quite thin of their Jumbo Visma. Feels like it. Um, you know, a lot of Primoz chasing Paris Nice. There were calls of lack of support for Van Aert at uh, Tirreno Adriatico going for the GC. You know, lack of teammates today in the final in Milan San Remo. But their objective is a Tour de France, and you can't really chase everything. Although, the, as we said, the riders we speak about now are almost chasing everything. So mm. it, it begs the question, you know, where do you put your eggs and where do you put your team? It's, it's a very, very splintered field in terms of the quality now and what people are capable. We're talking about a guy here in um, Van Art who's capable of winning San Remo, Tour of Flanders, Paris-Roubaix, um, Tirreno overall, assisting... Someone who can win the Tour de France, in Primo's Roglic. Also, the question is being asked: Can he win a Grand Tour himself? Which is the answer is yes. Second in the world time trial last year, second in the world road race last year. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. And um, we're now talking about him. Should we have more support for him? Yumbo they need to watch out. They need to kind of. This is this is where Ineos do it really well, is that they're not panicking across all sort of boards here, and you know they've crept up. They've crept up. Took a, maybe took a little bit of criticism for their sort of lack of. Performances this year, but here we go in Catalonia, and what a team they've put up! Mm. You know that sort of sparks of um, that they're serious, and there's not make no mistake, their goals are the Giro d'Italia and the Tour de France, and they know how to do that. I think Yumbo since last year. they could be accused of, of spreading themselves very thin and chasing everything a little bit too much. Whereas last year, with the lockdown and the lack of racing before the Tour de France, it almost favoured them because they'd selected their Tour de France team previous December, if you like, and they spent a lot of time together and they were very fresh coming into the Tour. At this rate, I think that they could be sort of pretty burnt out as a team come to the Tour de France and not have the strength that they had last year. They've already lost Tom Dumoulin, you know, through other reasons. They're walking a tightrope, I think, whereas INEOS you know they know how to do it tried and tested it's not about these races so far it's about um the tour de france and i think their lack of being present as it were although they're present in certain areas like today when we saw um but certainly on the results end of the table um will probably bode and welcome july Brad,
0: elsewhere in the news this week, your Pinarello, or not your Pinarello, and you can lay this rumor to rest for us. Let me re- let me let it to rest. A- allegedly made specifically for you for the final stage into Paris in right. 2012. So, a yellow custom built Pinarello, or custom paint job at least, is is up for sale for 7,500 pounds.
1: is that all? Plus postage. A measly seven and a half grand. <laughs>
0: um, well, it's a good not, job, it's not mine. Not, yeah, not your bike though. You saw, no, you, you no, walked I saw it this morning, morning. it's got yep. a
1: number on the back. It looks, yeah. I haven't seen this news story, but a few people have flagged it up to me. It's it's not my bike, no. No, far too treasured piece of history, that to flog for seven and a half grand.
0: Yeah, cheap at the price was the first thing that Very occurred cheap. to me. But... That probably tells you everything you need to know there, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. Thank you, Brad. We can follow you on Thank social you. media. Yeah, so we go. You can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to our producer, Pete Burton. Pete Burton, sponsored by River Island. Podcast Pete. And finally from me, Graham Wilgoss, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe, share your thoughts, rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Brad, plenty of action. As we said, coming thick and fast this Big week in Eurosport week. and GCM Plus. Yep. Uh, trofeo uh, Alfredo to it. Binder the Women's Colourson yeah. tomorrow or three days on the tomorrow. Three days of Japan in the week. E three prize, Gert Vevelchem. The E three Big Bank Classic yeah. plus, plus, plus hopefully get yeah. wevelgham next week. Brad, thanks for today. Thank you.
1: See you soon.